1: I don't want to exist. I want to live. I don't want to just make do and get along. I want to have every day of my life the sense that God is with me, the abundant life. Christ came to give us the abundant life.
2: That's Pastor Michael Oxentenco, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. We're excited to announce a very special fundraising and thank you dinner taking place this Sunday at 5 p.m. I have details on that coming up a little later on in the broadcast, so please stay tuned. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko with the conclusion to When Morning Matters. Today is reaching your heart.
1: He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the seed is one, not many. The seed of the woman is one, not many. His heel would be broken. It would be bruised. Why? Because somehow, in crushing the head of the serpent, his foot would be damaged. Now, Psalms 110, verse 1, which points to the Messiah, restates this proto-gospel promise given in Eden, right here in Psalms 110, verse 1. Let's read it carefully. The Lord said to my Lord... Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Now the Hebrew literally says this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put thine enemies as a footstool for thy feet. Putting enmity, putting thine enemies as a footstool for thy feet. So when the Messiah's foot crushes the serpent, we have the prophecy here. The promise in Genesis 3.15 has the same language. I will put enmity and he will crush the serpent's head with a wounded foot. Right on the head. So the very first promise for salvation in the Bible is affirmed in Psalms 110 verse 1 by King David himself. Let's read it again in the verses that follow. Now, you know, it was interesting. Not long ago, I was in the book of Revelation. And it says those that pierced him, you know, Revelation 1.7 would see him at his coming. And there's a structure in the Bible where it is linked with the serpent. How does a serpent pierce? It takes its teeth and sinks them in. You know, think of those nails as serpent fangs coming into the Son of God, piercing Him, but then the foot of the Son of God crushing the serpent's head. It's no accident that Jesus' foot has a nail in it because Jesus' foot was wounded to save us. Psalms 110, verse 1, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit in my right hand until I put or make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Verse 2 The Lord will stretch forth thy strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of thy enemies. Why does God say, Rule in the midst of your enemies here? Zion was located near that city of Salem. Jerusalem would come to be there. Melchizedek ruled there before it shifted by degree to become David's city. Melchizedek, almost universally accepted by the Jewish people, and there's good evidence for this, and I agree with it, he was Shem, the son of Noah. And Melchizedek ruled in the midst of his enemies. You know, in Genesis 9, 26, God had promised Shem that he would be a king in Canaan because Canaan would be a slave. And Melchizedek, in fact, was a king in the land of Canaan. And you look at the genealogies of Genesis. He dies. Shem dies after Abraham arrives in Canaan. So who is he? The evidence is really strong that he is Melchizedek. And look at verses 3 and 4. The people will volunteer freely in the day of thy power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn thy youth are to thee as the dew. And here's the key verse. The Lord is sworn, will not change His mind. Thou art a priest forever. According to what order? The order of Melchizedek, which means the king of righteousness. You know, there's so much in these two verses for us. The entire Christian church Focused its faith and proclamation on Psalms 110, as the most important passage in the Old Testament to declare what Jesus had accomplished. The Hebrew says, literally in verse 3, Your people will be free will offerings in the day of your power. The word used for free will offerings in the Hebrew is the very same word used for free will offerings given when the sanctuary was erected in Exodus 35 and 29 in Exodus 36 verse 3. In other words, a new sanctuary order starts on the morning of his power. When this happens to him, there's a shift from the earthly sanctuary to the heavenly sanctuary. That's why the Lord makes him sit at his right hand. Here the Messiah's people in verse 3 appear in holy array. The original reads, beautiful splendor. So there's a glorious brightness to the day. Thus there's a picture of perfect saints dressed in white on the day of the Messiah's power. So it's not just his resurrection day. It's the day in which a small multitude of humanity would be resurrected as well. Now we have a clue as to what the text is saying here. Look at verse 3. In holy array, the revised reads, from the womb of the dawn. How many of your translations say something like that? From the womb of the dawn. Now that's the language of birth. In the context, the womb of the dawn represents the day of the Messiah's power when his people worship him in holy splendor. The womb is the place where someone is born. The dawn is born from the darkness just before the rising sun. And so the day of Messiah's power is the time before the dawn when Christ would be born from death, from the womb of the morning, from the womb of the tomb, and then others would follow. That's resurrection morning. That's Sunday morning. Take your Bibles and let's turn to Matthew 27. Look at verses 51 and 52. Now here we have a clear account as to what happened on resurrection morning. The Bible says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's when Jesus died on Friday. The earth shook. The rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. And what does it say next? And many, does it say a few bodies? What does it say? Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were Raised. And you know, we think of Easter morning as the resurrection of Jesus, and that's it. It isn't so. There was a multitude of human beings who came to life after his resurrection. It goes on to say they went into the holy city and they appeared to many. You see, the old age of death and darkness was suddenly cracked wide open, and it ended dramatically. The age to come had backed up into history, and we suddenly see that with Jesus, death has no power, not just over the Messiah, but over those who love him. This is a powerful, poetic, and prophetic imagery of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the first fruits from the dead. In the English translation in verse 3, the phrase, thy youth is a noun. You'll notice that in your Bible in verse 3. Believe it or not, it was not translated as a noun to the Greek language Bible in the second century B.C. They didn't look at it that way at all. Our English translation is not how it was read 200 years before Christ. The Hebrew vowels that we have in the Hebrew Masoretic text. Maybe you read Hebrew. Anybody read Hebrew here? Okay. Well, if you did, the vowels came hundreds of years later. It's a tradition. What was preserved accurately were the consonants. Now imagine dog, D-O-G without an O, D-G. You'd have to remember that there was an O there, right? And so these vowels came after Christ, not before Christ. It was a tradition. And they were memorized. And so they memorized what it was. So the rabbis, offended by Christ after the New Testament era, corrupted the vows of Psalms 110 to obscure Christ so this verse would not be clear. And the Septuagint Greek Bible, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, before Christ, shows us that they did that. The consonants for your youth in Psalms 110 verse 3 are also found identically in Psalms 2 verse 7. So let's go back to Psalms 2 7 and look at it. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, and how does it read? You are my son. Today, what? Now you see that phrase, I have begotten you? Those are exactly the same consonants as your youth in Psalms 110, verse 3. I have begotten you or your youth. Which one's right? You see, I have begotten you is identical to Psalms 110, verse 3, if you throw those vows out. Those vows come after Christ, not before Christ in our Hebrew Bible. The Old Testament Greek translation translated it just like Psalms 2, verse 7. So the Bible the New Testament church used, the Bible that the Jewish people used that was translated into Greek, it went something like this. I have begotten you in Psalms 110, verse 3. It didn't say your youth. Now Psalms 2, 7, the text says today I have begotten you. That's the resurrection morning. I'll show you later. In Psalms 110, verse 3, the text says, In the day of your power from the room of the morning, like dew, literally, I have begotten you, is how it read in the Greek Old Testament. The book of Hebrews affirms that Psalms 2:7 and Psalms 110, verse 3 were meant to be read that way, and I'll prove it. Turn to Hebrews 5, verses 5 and 6. So I'm not just dreaming this up. Notice how these verses correlate in the book of Hebrews. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest. He was humble, but was appointed by him who said to him. Now here it is. It's quoting Psalms 2-7. Thou art my son. How does it read? Today I have begotten thee. Now follow to verse 6. As he says also in another place. See, so it's saying what was said in Psalms 2-7 is said in another place. Now, that another place is Psalms 110, verses 3 and 4, which I've just showed you. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And just before that, it says, I have begotten you. And so the writer of Hebrews, which is Paul, he's saying, look, it says in Psalms 2-7. It says the same thing in Psalms 110. So we know the text was right as it was translated in the Greek Old Testament. I have begotten you. The book of Hebrews confirms the translation I've just shared with you. So let's just soak in the literal meaning of Psalms 110 verse 3 with all this in mind. I'm going to read it slow. Your people will be free will offerings in the day of your power in the splendor of holiness. And Here's the key phrase. From the womb of the morning for you as due I have begotten you. That's how the text reads. From the womb of the morning, for you as do, I have begotten you. The Apostle Paul tells us plainly what this expression means, I have begotten you. Turn to Acts 13, verses 32 to 34.
2: More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. First of all, this very important message. If you are in the Washington, D.C. area this Sunday at 5 p.m., July the 21st, Please join us at the Reaching Hearts Church, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for our annual radio fundraising event. We want to thank all of our donors with a special dinner and concert featuring vocalist Carla Rivera. Our guest speaker is pastor, author, and global evangelist Mark Finley, who has held hundreds of evangelistic meetings in over 80 countries. You are sure to be inspired with his devotional message. Pastor Michael Tanko will also be there. I'll have more details at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Tanko. You
1: know, as Christians, we have good news. The good news is that Jesus has opened up the grave, and Paul has drawn attention to that here. And we bring you the good news. That what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children what does he say in verse 33? By raising Jesus as it is written in what psalm? The second psalm. Thou art my son. What does it say? Today I have begotten you. In other words, that's resurrection day. I have begotten you means I have begotten you from the womb of the tomb. That you have come back from the darkness into the light. The dawn of the morning like dew I have begotten you. It is the resurrection of Christ that those verses pointed to. Look at verse 34. And as for the fact that He raised Him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He spoke in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Friend, Jesus was begotten from the womb of the tomb before the dawn on Sunday morning in fulfillment of Psalms 110 verse 3. That's why God said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The morning matters to God. It matters a whole lot to God. So this is why we have the imagery of the resurrection in Matthew 28 and Luke 24-1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the sepulcher. When they got there, it was empty. Why? Because at dawn, he had been begotten from the womb of the tomb. Look at Luke 24-1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn... They went to the tomb, taking the spices which they had prepared. So the echo of Psalms 110 is in the text. From the womb of the morning, like dew, I have begotten you. The book of Hebrews tells us that when Christ was raised from the dead, God swore an oath that He would never change His mind. He turned to His Son in the darkness of death as He called Him to life. And that life was in the Son of God because Christ is the resurrection and the life. And he says, I have sworn an oath and I will not change my mind. You this day are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And the book of Hebrews says that that oath was given because Christ can never die again. By the power of an indestructible life, he continues as an eternal priest. Friend, Jesus Christ became our representative when he was resurrected from the dead. Acceptance started right there when he came out of the tomb. It has never ended. In Christ we are accepted. So why is the resurrection the day of his power in Psalms 110 verse 3? It is the day of his power because Jesus will never die again. And death itself has no power over him anymore. And that means, dear heart, that it has no power over you if you are found in Jesus. Amen. Hear me? It has no power over you. You are accepted. You can grow. You don't have to be under the heavy blow, of whether you mess up or not. Yes, premeditated, consistent sin will bring you out of Christ. But you know what? You can confess and grow and be in Christ. Do you hear me? And treat sin lightly. No, you should not. But to recognize the good news, yes, you should, that in Jesus we are accepted. Paul says in Romans 4.25 that he was handed over for our transgressions. He was raised for our justification, our acceptance. And what does that mean? Therefore, being justified by faith, he says in Romans 5.1, we have peace with God. You don't have to bargain with God to be accepted. The resurrection is proof that from the womb of the morning you can be born again too. Because of the resurrection, the night has surrendered to the light of the world. The morning has overcome the sunset that ends the day. The beginning has overtaken the end that brings the night. Hope has defeated fear with light. And life has destroyed the power of death. Why? Because the morning matters to God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is an oath by God. God himself has sworn he will never change his mind, that Christ will never die again. And Christ is the resurrection, the life. If we are in Christ, we will live forever with Him. Psalms 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn, will not change His mind. You, Jesus, are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I'd like to read to you just a few paragraphs from the book Desire of Ages, page 785. When the voice of the mighty angel was heard at the Savior's tomb, saying, Thy Father calls thee, the Savior came forth from the grave by the life that was in himself. Now was proved the truth of his words. I lay down my life that I might take it again. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. Now was fulfilled the prophecy. He had spoken to the priests and rulers. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Over the rent sepulcher of Joseph, Christ had proclaimed in triumph, I am the resurrection and the life. These words could be spoken only by the deity. All created beings live by the will and power of God. They are dependent recipients of the life of God. From the highest seraph to the humblest animate being, all are replenished from the source of life. Only he who is one with God could say, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it again. In his divinity, Christ possessed the power to break the bonds of death. Christ arose from the dead as the first fruits of those that slept he was the antitype of the wave sheep and his resurrection took place on the very day when the wave sheep was to be presented before the Lord for more than a thousand years this symbolic ceremony had been performed from the harvest fields the first heads of ripened grain were gathered and when the people went up to Jerusalem to the Passover the sheaf of the first fruits was waved as a thank offering before the Lord not until this was presented could the sickle be put to the grain and it be gathered into sheaves. The sheaf dedicated to God represented the harvest. So Christ the first fruits represented the great spiritual harvest to be gathered for the kingdom of God. His resurrection is the type and pledge of the resurrection of all the righteous dead. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. (laughs) I mean, man alive, we do not need to live in fear of death or condemnation. We are saved by the glorious victory of Jesus for a future. So on Sunday morning, Christ was resurrected. And with him, the first fruits of humanity, the wave sheaf. You know, a person can be lost for a long time and then come home after many years. The same is true of cats. Cats. It's true. Unfortunately, I don't have dogs at the house. I have cats. (laughs) If you love cats, it can be a great thing. If you don't like them, it's a mixed blessing. It just matters how you view cats. How many cat lovers do we have? Raise your hand. How many not-so-cat lovers do we have? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, the cat was adopted as a stray in 2002 by a canine officer named Perry Martin who wore a shirt called Dogs for Life adopted a cat, and he wears a shirt called Dogs for Life. The cat was called Thomas Jr., or T2 for short. T2 won out as the cat's practical name. Perry lost the cat in 2004 during Hurricane Jean. Evidently, T2 slipped out of the house, and the storm took over his life just like that, and Perry searched for T2 from one animal shelter to another, but after a time, T2 was presumed dead. T2 went down, he thought, a victim of the storm. For a cat, that's a lifetime. I don't think I've ever had a cat live 14 years. Anybody have a cat live over 14 years? You did? How long? 21-year-old cat? I feel sorry for you. I'm just kidding. For a cat, that's a lifetime. For a man, it's a long time, too. And a good time to forget about the cat, right? And then the unthinkable thing happened a few days ago. The cat was lost to presumed dead, of course, but it turned up alive in a Florida animal shelter. We're supposed to say aww, right? T2 lives again. The cat was skinny and old and flea infested, but the cat was alive nonetheless in an animal shelter. Now, if there was no owner to identify, T2, this old tabby that showed up, was ripe and ripe for being put down. Because they don't give old cats away usually in animal shelters. They just put them down. But before you do that, it is the law that you always check to see if there's a microchip in the cat or dog that shows up so you can identify an owner. Because if it belongs to someone, you shouldn't be putting it down, right? Now, our dog Smokey, as I said, has a microchip so we can get him back if lost. A microchip will tell you who the pet belongs to, dog or cat, so the pet can go home. So they scanned the old tabby and they found a microchip that said the owner was Perry Martin. And there was a telephone number associated in that microchip. From the old phone number, they were able to track down Perry's new phone number and make contact with T2's rightful owner. Perry Martin got the call. And it changed the past to reverse the whole history of the thing in his mind. In his own words, I just want to share with you what he said. He got the call. Ring, so on. Perry, what would you do if we told you that T2 was alive? And I said, well, I would probably say that you're crazy because he died a long time ago. That's what they're going to say in the resurrection. Man, we died a long time ago. Now, when he interviewed, he said this. I just went on about my life. Who would have thought that after 14 years, you'd find your lost cat? T2 is a lot like you and me to God. Everyone who loves Jesus has been microchipped by faith to the heart of the Son of God. You see, the high priest wears the names of God's people on his breastplate. He has taken us, our psycho-identity, our DNA, our consciousness, what it is that makes us into himself, into the heavens, to the right hand of God, Paul says. You cannot be forgotten in the future if you belong to Christ. You know, this nonsense philosophy that says this is a fairy tale stuff will be proven false on the resurrection morning when Christ uses the power within him to identify his own. We've been microchipped. God loves you and all those who love Him is coming back. It's coming back. And it will be sweet as honey. Loved ones long dead will come back to life. When the night turns to dawn and gold can stay on the golden morning when Jesus comes again. You know, I get excited when I think about the second coming of Christ. I want it to come. I want to be there. I want the physical kingdom of Christ to come. And all that is possible, and yes, even certain, because Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the first installment of the future age of glory. So why is this important? I'll tell you why it's important. Because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the resurrection, the life. And Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. Because the morning matters to God. It should matter to us too. God bless you. Lord, I pray in our lives that we will realize that as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we need the truths that is here portrayed. The truth that Jesus died for us. The truth that Jesus has been raised as our high priest. That we are accepted only in him. Thus our lives must be tethered to him for the rest of life. And Father, may you send your people from this place with obedience, but with forgiveness and grace to always be with Christ, the light of the world. And Lord, when you return, we don't want to claim any righteousness other than the one that set us free at the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, amen, and thanks for listening today to the conclusion of When Morning Matters, today's Reaching Your Heart. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area this Sunday at 5 p.m., July the 21st, please join us at the Reaching Hearts Church, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for our annual radio fundraising event. We want to thank all of our donors with a special dinner and concert featuring vocalist Carla Rivera. Our guest speaker is pastor, author, and global evangelist Mark Finley, who has held hundreds of evangelistic meetings in over 80 countries. You are sure to be inspired with his devotional message. If you're a regular listener to the broadcast and would like to meet Pastor Michael Oksentenko, then please join us this Sunday at 5 p.m. At 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for the event. Please RSVP at reachinghearts.org/slash radio dinner. That's reachinghearts.org/slash radio dinner. Once again, reachinghearts.org/slash radio dinner. And thanks for listening to Reaching Your Heart.